Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Today, I want to talk to the new members. And uh, this is really a joyous occasion. Because not a lot of churches since the pandemic can talk about new members. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, over 20,000, how many? Over 20,000 churches closed. And that's not even to address those are getting ready to close. Who are in bankruptcy or in foreclosure in our city. Glory to God. And even in the midst of all of this, we have a new member celebration. Man, God. Hallelujah. So today, my, my assignment and my title of my message is Alignment for Your Assignment. Alignment for Your Assignment. To the new members, alignment for your assignment. To the new members of Harvest Church, I want to caution you because it's early now in your walk with God in this house. So it is vitally important, new members, that you get around members in this church who are actively involved because they will help ignite you to become actively involved. How can two walk together unless they agree? To the new members, I want to encourage you to get around other members of your church who are on fire and excited about God and are still excited about the word of the Lord that comes through the pastor's mouth. Because bad company will pollute your walk with God. I want you to get around members of your church now who still believe God is a miracle-working God, that God is still in the blessing business. I want you to get around some members of your church who are on fire for Jesus and are still winning souls for the kingdom. Preach, boy, preach. So today, new members... I want to give you your first message under these conditions in your church as a new member. Alignment for your assignment. Say that with me. Alignment. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Notice it's an alignment for your assignment, not the person next to you. It's alignment, not for my assignment, but for your assignment. That means that God brought you here for more than just sitting in a pew. And coming and hearing a message and getting excited about it and go home and help us do nothing. That's not why God called you. The reason I know that's not why God called you is because I pray every day for God to send to this ministry great people. Great people are ready to help me. Some people don't even know it yet, but I promise God I'll never give up because I do see it by faith. God's got ways and resources that I've not even considered, but at the right time in the right way, it shall surely come to pass. And I'll not grow weary, God, in well-doing because you said if I don't faint, I shall also reap. And so I've been praying for you to come for a long time, great people. Would all the new members please stand that are in the new members class today? That are, amen. These are great people. Would you put your hands together for great people? I've been praying for you that God would send us great people, people who have a heart to help us to bring the kingdom vision to pass in this house. That's why it's important that you get around other members in your church who have applied their hands to the work that's in this house because God has called us together to work for the kingdom. 
And working is not just sitting down. And there are gifts and talents that you have that you may have learned in Pharaoh's court. But now it's time, like Moses, for you to take what you've learned in the Egyptian house to bring it into the house of God and make what God is doing here make it better. So don't get on the side of the road with the group who criticize about what we're trying to do. God didn't bring you here to criticize what we're doing. He brought you here to help us to do what we're doing, but do it better and take it to the next level. You may be seated. Glory to God. Go ahead and put nugget number one up, please. I think I have two or three. Nugget number one. New members, I really need to hear you today because I'm talking to you. Ready? Read. Read, read it again. Now, I, I want to, before we go to, to, to number two, I want to clarify something because it can be so misleading. And that is God never called a church nor a pastor to make members. Membership belongs to the club that you are a part of. You know, some drinking club, smoking club, book club, club. God never called the church, read your Bible, to make members. Because by and large, members don't do anything. The reason members don't do anything is by and large, members are not called to do nothing. Not by God. God called the church. He called you and I, you ambassadors, you new members. He called you to be his disciples and go and make more disciples. And a disciple is not just a church member. A disciple is a learner, a student of the master teacher. And whatever the master teacher teaches the disciples, they go out and act it out. What do they act out? They act out what they've been taught. Are you listening to me? So, so be careful. I'm not knocking anybody being a member, but you need to be more than a member because you can be a member of a church and go to hell. I know y'all don't like this, but you being a member of Harvest Church is no guarantee you're going to heaven because you can, ooh, Jesus, you can be a member of Harvest Church and after service is over, you act like the devil because you are of the devil. Come on, I'm staying Bible. Jesus looked at a group of religious people. He said, you're of your father, the devil, and his deeds you will do. Ooh, Jesus. You don't hear much like teaching like this in church because it, it rattles your cage. And, and we're living in a time now where people want to come to church to be comfortable. And pastors are accommodating them. And as a result of that, all kinds of stuff is in the church now. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. Ooh, Jesus. So that means I only do what Jesus has taught me to do. When I hear the word of God, I hear it with a heart of an intent to do. Who Jesus. So preacher, you don't have to make me feel good. Just teach me the word. I don't have to shout. Just teach me the word. I don't have to dance. It's okay, but teach me. Preacher, there's no pressure on my role, on you to entertain us. Teach us the word. Because the word of God is the only thing we have to fight with on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And it's the word of God. It's the only thing that will defeat the enemy. Nugget number 
uh, two, please. Nugget number two. Nugget number two, you got it? Well, read it, please. God is making his appeal to the world. Look, this is serious. Look up here at me. If God is making his appeal to the world, it's serious, isn't it? If God is making his appeal, the world's going to hell and God's trying to save them. But he's making his appeal to the world through you. Is the world in trouble? Is the world in trouble? If God is making his appeal to the world through you, through us, is the world in trouble? If God is waiting on us to lead somebody to salvation? If God is waiting on us to tell somebody else about his goodness? If God is waiting on you, is God in trouble? It's getting quiet. If God is appealing to the world, see, it's not the will of God that any person would go to hell. He sent Jesus to save humanity. And how shall they know about this glorious God unless somebody tell them the good news? Did Jesus save you? Can I see your hands? Do you think he want to save somebody else other than just you? And he does. But he wants to make his appeal to other people through you. It's quiet in the church house. Because in many cases, we're engaged in everything else other than allowing God to make his appeal to the world through us. I was on the other side of the wall Today and even yesterday in my study, after I, I shared with you about the situation with my friend who passed away, and I said to God, I said, God, sometimes we can get so busy doing good things, not, not bad things, good things, and look up and my time that I used to spend with you just slowly but surely gets removed. And I always promise you that I'm going to make up for it. But it seems to never happen. And so sometimes God will have to allow a crisis to manifest in our lives, not that he wants you to suffer, but to get your attention. And so I began to weep and tell God again, fresh and anew, that you're my, you're my everything. And I want you to know today, if I lose everything that I have, because I lost it before, and the devil asked me, what are you going to do now? And if I had a yielded to what the devil tried to get me to yield to at that time, I would have never been your pastor. Because I lost everything. When I made up my mind to serve God, that I was going to live for God, I lost my house. I lost my car that I paid for. Uh, I lost my clothes. Somebody broke into my uh, a place, threw all my clothes in a dumpster. You never heard that one? 
Are you all listening to me? The devil jumped on my soul and said, now what are you going to do? They, they tacked the eviction notice on my apartment here, even in Kansas City. They'll say, what you going to do? You're up in this city. You don't know nobody. You talking about God sent you here and you can't even pay the rent at Briarwood's apartment right there on uh, 63rd Street in Raytown. That's my first stop. That's where I came up when I came on I-435. Never been to Kansas City in my life. I drove to Kansas City for the first time in my life, trusting God to guide my footsteps. And I came up uh, 71, and, and I said, do I keep going to the left 71, or, or do I go right? And I had a witness in my heart to go right, which said, I-435 North. Never been there in my life. And then I'm going on I-435, and the Holy Ghost said, now exit. It's at night. I didn't have a clue that, by and large, everything God was going to do with me in this city. It started right there. I'm in the perfect will of God and can't pay my rent. I'm in the perfect city and I don't have a job. And the devil said, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to obey God. I'm used to living good, driving good, and I don't have nothing. But I'm in the perfect will of God. Are you all listening to me? I had the same challenge years ago. Some of you know the story. Some of you walked through with me with the story where I lost everything I had. The church was doing fine. Harvest Church, this church was doing fine, and I had had my house repossessed, and the church didn't know anything about it, just a couple of people. I never stood in the pulpit and cried. I never played on your emotions. And while you were shouting and dancing, the government was telling me I got 24 hours to get all of my belongings, personal belongings, out of that house in Blue Springs. I took the church truck and the church trailer with another brother in the church, and he helped me move everything out of that house. And while the church was shouting, Harvest Church, I didn't even have a place to live after service. And you never knew it. Some of you didn't know it till today. But going through that trial, that test, the devil jumped on my shoulder and said, now what are you going to do? I just want these new members to know that when you're in the perfect will of God, it does not mean you don't come under attack. And if God truly has called you to this house, the devil hates you. Because nothing flows in your life like it is supposed to flow is when you're in your right place. The title of the message today is what? Alignment. Have you ever noticed anything out of alignment? Uh, it wears wrong, and it, and it rattles, it shakes. You, you ever notice anything that's out of alignment? That, uh, it, you know, it, like a car alignment, the tires don't wear right. Uh, uh, if your washer, your dryer's out of alignment, not balanced right, I mean, it should be shaking all on me like somebody's trying to break in your house. You go in the washroom and your wash is just jumping all around. <laughs> Come on now. Huh? I mean, your car's out of alignment. You know, you, you put some people in your car and, you know, they ask you, say, it seems like to me, uh, brother, that we're leaning a little bit to the left or lean a little bit to the right. You, you, you put on your brakes and it pulls one way because when things are out of alignment, uh, uh, it, it, uh, it doesn't wear right. And it, it, and it shakes. Ooh, Jesus. And so when you're out of alignment, uh, you get frustrated. Uh, because you're out of alignment. Things are not moving like it's supposed to move. Things are supposed to be much smoother than this. That doesn't mean you don't come through tests. Doesn't mean you don't face fiery trials. But it's smooth. Smooth in the fact that you're going through it. Because... Everything is in alignment. Um, you become very frustrated as a human being 
when you're living life out of alignment. You, you become frustrated because it doesn't, it doesn't appear like what you're doing matters. It, it doesn't look like, it doesn't feel like that your life is making an impact or a difference in anybody else's life. And, and you're not really sure that what you're doing is what God called you to do. And so you may be experiencing what the world calls a measure of success, but you're frustrated. Why? Because, yeah, I make a lot of money, but there's something on the inside of me that just tells me I'm not really doing what God called me to do. Because, you see, money doesn't satisfy. And you having some fancy title uh, behind or in front of your name doesn't satisfy. Satisfaction, say satisfaction. Satisfaction only comes when you're doing what God created you to do. So, so hold on now, because some of you think it's money. Then why people with a lot of money kill themselves? Why is it that people with a lot of money have divorces? Why is it people have a lot of money? Kids don't have nothing to do with mom and daddy. Why is it a man who one of the richest men in the world, why, why did he hang himself? So you see the trick? So, so you don't have that kind of money, so the devil will trick you and say, but you're going to be all right when you get it. But look at the people who did get there. Look at the people who, who are already there where you say you want to go. And why are they miserable? Because satisfaction only comes, doesn't come from being a doctor, doesn't come from being a lawyer, doesn't come from being a millionaire, doesn't come from being a billionaire. Look at them. Satisfaction only comes when you are doing what God created you to do. But if you're not careful, you'll spend all your time in this capitalistic society. You'll spend your life just trying to get money because you think money is your answer. Your wealth is tied to what you've been called to do by God. Oh, God, can I say it? If you ever find out what God has called you to do, and get good at it. Preach, Negro, preach. If you ever find out, most people live and die and never discover. Because they're too busy looking at other people and wanting to do what other people are doing. Because what they're doing looks glamorous. Most people are not strong enough to be who God made them. And because they're not strong enough to be who God made them, most people are trying to be like somebody else. And if they can't be them, they'll buy their clothes. And because they don't feel real strong about their name, they'll put the other person's name on the back of their back. Oh, Jesus. I, I, got, I got a shirt. I bought one for my whole family. You know, one of the, the sports shirts, and I put help on the back of every one of them. Didn't I do it, sweetheart? The yellow shirts? So when we walk through the theme park, they don't say they're going to LeBron James. That ain't LeBron James' son. That's my boy. That's not Barry Sanders. If the number on the jersey is going to be 20, the name is going to be Hal. Man, I thought that was Barry Sanders. Well, that's that, number 20. That's a Hal. Yes. Because you're laughing, but most people are not strong enough 
And because most people are not strong enough, people are intimidated when they get around somebody who is strong, with strong convictions about the way God made them. It's intimidating to people who are insecure. That you can be so secure about who you are. Jesus. Glory to God. Is this good? Alignment for the assignment. Say this with me. New members, please stand. The rest of you can certainly join in with him. Says we are people of faith at Harvest Church International Outreach. We have the spirit of faith. Good God. No matter what, we believe God. No matter what, as a new member of Harvest Church International Outreach, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, I we believe God. When it looks like it's not working, we believe God. When everybody leaves us, we believe God. If the doctors give us a bad report, we believe God. When people tell you what you're trying to do won't work, we stand firm and declare we Talk to me. We believe God. We believe God. I said we believe God. As a new member, come on, talk to me. As a new member of Harvest Church, International Outreach, nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Who strengthens me? I can, I can, I can, I can do all things through Christ. Strengthens me. You may be seated. It's going to take a whole lot now for you to go anywhere and some preacher try to talk that out of you. Because in the midst of facing situations, where the stack is, is against you, the odds are against you, and it looks like nobody at the company is on your side. You have this different spirit, good God of mercy, that is contagious. And you'll discover after a while, as this word begin to fill you up, you'll get around people, and they'll say, they'll start testifying the changes in your life. You don't have to say you change. They'll start testifying for you. You know, there's something different about you. Uh, I don't know. I just feel, I don't know. You seem to be so positive. I just like being around you. Seems like you always got a good word from God. Are you a minister? Because you have a different spirit. There's something great, new members, that God has called you to do. He's called you to do. And in the name of Jesus, you can't die until you do it. Stand up again. I'm talking to you now. I know they don't want me to step off of this podium thing here, but, but I'm talking to you. I'm speaking over your life as your pastor. And I declare in the name of Jesus that you cannot die. You're not taking your treasure to the grave. That treasure that God has placed on the inside of you as your pastor, I'm calling it out. Because there's nothing you cannot do that God has called you to do. Nothing. And everything you've been through, the good and the bad, has prepared you for this moment. Touch three of your new members and tell them, say, we're getting ready to do something. Yeah, yeah, to the glory of God. Come on, give the Lord praise. Thank God for our new members. We're getting ready to do something. We're getting ready to rock this house. Harvest Church is never going to be the same 
because God has called us to this ministry. I don't know about the other members, but I know this group is getting ready to do something. We're getting ready to shake the world to the glory of God. Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, please be seated. Ooh, Jesus. I'm almost finished. Oh, God. I made myself happy. I was talking to the new, I was talking to the new members and got a little bit of that, that myself. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a little older now, Minister Clayton, but I still see another mountain. I still see another mountain. I heard what Minister Jonathan said to you the other day, but I took part of that word too. Yeah, I see another mountain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, look, these great men of God, they lived to be 120. They lived, lived 600 years old and all that. And man, I look at my age now, I'm just a baby. I don't even know water's wet yet. Hey, don't, hey, to the young folk, don't count me out. To, to, where are the young people in the church? Don't count me out. I'm, I'm still flowing. You see, I don't have on any socks. Hey, man, I, hey, don't, don't push me to the side. Hey, I'm not going to be obsolete. Glory to God. I'm with it. I'm not going to be an old fogey. I'm with it. Glory to God. I'll wear shorts next Sunday if that's what I got to do. You don't want to see that. Yeah. You evangelize or you fossilize. And you can't, you can't evangelize if you look outdated, disconnected. Because people see you first before they hear you. You better know I'm lit, girl. <laughs> Talking about I'm lit. I'm more than lit. This is fire. <laughs> Boy, only for the young folk know what I'm talking about. The pastor's all right with me. Glory to God. and messed up my message. So to the new members, becoming a Christian, becoming a part of a church is not the end of the road. It's the first step. God has work for you to do as a kingdom ambassador. And that's what I want you to understand today. If you don't hear anything else, new members, new disciples or however you that you're an ambassador. That you're an ambassador for God. That's why it's wrong for you to worry as a child of God. Because as an ambassador, you represent somebody else. As a Christian, that's why it's ungodly for you to worry. Not only is worry ungodly, worry is sin. Worry means something you have allowed in to your process of thinking that has gotten bigger to you than God. There's something that has happened in your life and you've come to the conclusion that this thing that is happening in your life, you and God can't handle it. When that happens, you start to worry. You can only worry when you think there's a possibility that you might be defeated. And you just declared, ambassador, that I can do through. See, so, so that doesn't mean you can go out here and just do anything. That's taking it out of context. So let's put it in context. You can do all things through Christ, that which he's called you to do. Because that which God has called you to do, he's equipped you to make it happen. And that part that you can't handle, he sent the precious Holy Spirit to be your helper. Your challenge is to find out what God called you to do. And most people don't know it. In good professions, making good money, large sums of money, and miserable. 
filing your taxes at the end of the year, and every time they have to turn a page working your taxes, they're fussing on the inside. Doctor done cut you open, operating on your heart, and while they're operating on you on the inside, he or she feels like I'm called to do something else than this. I'm only doing this because this is what my daddy told me to do. Only doing this because my mama said this is the only thing she would pay for in college. So I'm running around in college in, in theater dancing, and I don't even like to dance. Because I'm not even called to dance. Then you have to become comfortable. Say comfortable. You have to become comfortable with the assignment of God that he's given you. And not compare yourself to other people. I know I'm a pill to swallow. But I'm a pill to swallow because I discovered the reason that I was born. And I am totally committed to it. Because I promised God, when I was in the world, I was a devil. I didn't have to do nothing. I didn't even like hanging around half-hearted people. Before I got saved, man, we're going to do this. Let's do this thing. And I start talking about doing, then get there and want to talk some more. Let's do it. That was my attitude. So when I sold out to God, I said to myself, I will not give God less than what I gave the devil. So when I dedicated my life to God, I went all the way. It was a little fight, but I went all the way. And when I went all the way, I mean, I lost all kind of stuff that there was pulling my things. I know he won't let this go, and I had to let it go. I know this was stumbling, and I would let it go. Are you all listening to me? Because when you find out the reason that you were born, it may not make as much money as other things, but you'll be satisfied. And so what if you make a lot of money? What you going to do with it when you die? Put my money in the grave when I die. And if they do, I want to know where you're buried at. Because I'm coming with a shovel. You're laughing, but, I mean, there's a song out there like that. <laughs> Put my money in the grave when I die. And while you're alive, I'll tell you, I will. And when you take your last, is he dead? <laughs> Let's go shopping. Let's, let's close with this, the second closing. Second, uh, second Corinthians chapter 5 to our new members. I close with this, uh, new members. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I pray this will bless you. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 17. I'm going to read verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. This stumbled me for years. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Boy, this stumbled me for years, for years, because I didn't understand that if, I'm, if I am a new creation in Christ, then why am I still fornicating? Okay, I was saying, is there anybody in here honest besides me? Okay, it sounds like the band is filling me. I didn't, I didn't understand. I mean, if I am a new creation in Christ, why do I still feel these urges? I, I, I mean, I know something happened. I mean, I wasn't faking tears. I really wanted Jesus. I, I, really, I really believed in my heart. I really confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus. But, but if, if old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new, then why am I still fornicating? On Friday, 
Why am I still getting with people that I'm not in covenant with? And I know it's wrong. And sometimes I'm sitting on the edge of the bed after a little bit of time, and I'm on the edge of the bed with tears going down my cheek. God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm serious. They're not fake tears. There's nobody to fake out. There's nobody in the room but me. And they look at me like I'm crazy. What's wrong with you? I love Jesus. They say, I love him too. And I'm like, God, if, if I'm really saved, if I'm really a new creature, then why am I doing this? Wasn't this supposed to be taken away from me at the new birth? And maybe, don't throw stones at me. Maybe that wasn't your child. Maybe yours was drinking or cussing. Some of you still cuss. Talking about don't make me mad. So, yeah, you ought to thank God that your cussing doesn't cancel your salvation. Or some of you have been canceled this morning. Thank God our salvation is more powerful than cussing. Now, we shouldn't cuss. But if we're new creatures in Christ, why are we still cussing? I'm sorry, Pastor, I know it's not right, but he, she, she got on my last nerve. You're, if you're a new creature in Christ, why are you still drinking, getting drunk? And we know you're drinking because you smell like liquor. And there's no amount of Avon you can put on that will cancel the smell. You're going to have to step it up on the price of your perfume. <laughs> Come on now. Sipping saints. And then you run to the only scripture you know in the Bible where you know the Bible says a little wine is good for the stomach. I got you, Brother Odom. You busted now. Are you, are you listening to me? So, and I can go on and on. We can go on a while, and we'll find yours while you're sitting there looking so sanctified. If you love Jesus like that so much, why do you talk about people? And there's a whole lot of people in trouble because they have talked about somebody who God's got his hand on. And God said, you don't talk about somebody that I got my hand on. And there's a lot of church folk who are in trouble. And the only reason they're in trouble is because they put their mouth on somebody that God's got his hand on. And just because you know somebody who made a mistake, and they're up here in the praise team singing. And you can't receive what their ministry is doing because you think because you know something they did that God's hand is not still on them. With your self-righteous self. I don't know how they can be up there singing. We don't understand how you got something to say. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things had become new. Now, this messed me up. I grew up in church, in a Baptist church. This messed me up. 
Because not in the Baptist church, but in the evening sometimes, we'd go to a Pentecostal church. Because in my Baptist church, we didn't, we didn't have evening service most of the time. We might have some little auxiliary. You know, just a handful of folks. Come. But those Pentecostal churches, you know, I mean, they get it on in the evening. And they had what they called testimony service. And I'm a little boy sitting there, always loved God, always had a hunger for the word. And, but, but, but I'm learning. And sometimes you're not learning the right thing. And so people said, you know, I looked at my hands and my hands were brand new. I looked at my feet and they were new too. Y'all used to go to my church. And so I'm a little boy sitting there scratching my head. So when you really get right with God and say, your feet change and your hands do too? And when you really get saved, you don't make mistakes? You live holy? Man, I got a long, 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 how long is that? Long, long way to go. Because I was waiting for this experience. And because the preacher said it and didn't put it in context, I lived out of context, which summons condemnation. So I found myself every other Sunday or every first Sunday or every Sunday, every other month coming to the altar trying to get saved again. Because it's clear whatever I got the Sunday I came, the Sunday I did come to the altar, I didn't get enough. So I'm coming trying to get saved again or trying to get more saved. I hear a fiery message and it was clear that the preacher was talking to me and I'm sitting in the back with my fornicated self. Not get enough nerve broken in God and I struggle down to the altar. Lord, help me because I'm trying to get this. And if I get this, then I'll stop fornicating. I get this, I'll stop drinking. I get this, I'll stop smoking. I get this, I'll stop lying. I get this, I'll stop worrying. If I get this. If I get this, I'll walk in victory. Is this helping anybody? Look at the next verse. Where did I I start you at? Verse 17, he said, behold, all things have become new. Now all things are God. Who, Who, get this, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you have, new members. You have the ministry as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You don't go out into the world and condemn them and talk down to them and tell them all the bad they're doing. You tell them that there's someone who paid a price for them to be free. You don't have to tell a sinner he's a sinner. When I come to church, I don't need the preacher to preach about something I'm doing wrong. I know I'm wrong. That's why I'm here. Look at the next verse. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world. Look at that. That that is that God was in Christ reconciling. Come on. But but who? Ah, New members. If you don't hear nothing, you hear this. Because I know church folk, man, they can be mean and judgmental. But Jesus, new members. You hear me, new members? Jesus loves the world. He loves the person with six earrings in one ear and three in their nose and their hair six colors.
Jesus loves the drug addict. Jesus loves the alcoholic. Jesus loves the homeless who haven't taken a bath this year. The ones that you turn your nose up at because they stink. But Jesus says they don't stink as much as you. With your self-righteous filthiness. New members, when you leave this tabernacle and you drive off this property, I want you to know that every person you see, Jesus loves them. The ones that don't have what you have, the ones at the bus line because they don't have a car, barely have bus money. That you may have reservations to tell about Jesus because if they accept Jesus on the bus stop, you don't know if you bring them to your church if they would be welcome. That they might bump into some ungodly usher or some ungodly greeter or some self-righteous member. who feels good about themselves when they put other people down. And God's not impressed with what we have on if we don't love people. Time is gone, I'm sure. Now all things are God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God has, or that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank you, Jesus. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Last verse. Now then, we are new members we are ambassadors for Christ. Put that up on the screen in the Vita room if you, if you can. I know some of our people are on vacation doing some other things. It's a little short, but thank you so much. Ready, new members, E-Church, everybody here, ready, read. Read that, read that again. Now then, that, hold on. An ambassador means you don't represent yourself. So that means when you meet people, you don't tell them about you. You tell them about the one you represent. As an ambassador, when we send ambassadors to other countries, the ambassador we send to another country, they don't go to another country talking about what they think. The ambassador is only required to go to the other country and represent the thoughts and the plans of this country that they represent. Also, when we send an ambassador to another country, it is not that ambassador's responsibility to take care of themselves. So when we send an ambassador to Africa, the ambassador don't eat food from Africa. The ambassador from America that we send to Africa to represent America, we ship their food over from America. So the people out in, in the bush can be starving, but the ambassador can eat three-course meals every day because the ambassador's life's sustenance is not predicated on the country they're in. They're predicated on the country that they represent. So no matter, new members, what's going on in this world, you have dual citizenship. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You are an ambassador of Christ. That means God has the responsibility if you represent him to take care of you. So if anybody eats, you're going to eat. If anybody make it, 
you're going to make it because you represent the kingdom of God. Jesus. That's why we don't worry. I don't care nothing about Bitcoin crashing. First of all, I had no investments in it. And I'm not knocking people who did. But I also got enough sense not to rejoice that the Bitcoin crashed and people invested in it because it can happen just as easy to the dollar. And it will. And it will. I'm not saying today, but it will happen. But I don't lose my joy. Investments is just investments. My greatest investment is in the things of God. And those investments cannot perish. It's not predicated on the stock market. The GNP is always the pinnacle. Are you listening to me? Is this blessing anybody at all? So this new thing that we are in Christ, when the word of God says, old things have passed away, Minister Jones, what is the old thing? Now that you're in Christ, what is the old thing? The old thing now is that that thing that cursed you through Adam is no longer a part of your life. Whatever Adam messed up no longer have a right to operate in your life. What is this new thing? This new thing is this reconciliation that we have with God the Father through Jesus. This simply means that Jesus paid the price of all of our sins. Now, reconciliation and salvation are not the same thing. Salvation means that Jesus paid the price for your sin. Reconciliation means now you have a right relationship. You can go boldly to the throne of God and obtain mercy in the time of trouble. Why? You have been reconciled back to God through Christ. That means no matter what you've done, the church may not accept you, but God will. Church members may not forgive you, but God will. And I just want to go on record. If you just have to please somebody between God and church folk, please choose God. Please choose God. Because he alone has the power to give you the kind of power in your boosters to go up or cancel the power in your boosters and you go down. Is this helping anybody at all? So we are the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his personal ambassadors to the world. God is making new members. God is making his appeal to Kansas City through you. Man, and he needs you so desperately. God is making his appeal to St. Joe, Missouri, through you. Through Topeka, Kansas, through you. God is making his appeal to the world through us. Dare us any longer sit on our rusty vessels and sit there with an attitude of contempt like we don't owe God nothing. I think I got messed up on that one because when I think about what all he's done for me and all he asks of me is to go tell it, Go tell of his goodness. To not be so wrapped up in myself that I allow something to intimidate me to the point where I won't open my mouth and declare the goodness of the Lord. 
They sent me to the White House, and I talked about it. Jake's, Bishop Jakes opened a platform for me in South Africa, and I talked about it. They made a platform for me in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I talked about it. My great mentor, Apostle Frederick Casey Price, put me on his platform in the Faith Dome, and I talked about it. They brought me back to Washington, D.C. and called me into a private room. And in the private room, I talked about it. God said, I'm sending you to a city that you've never been. And some are going to struggle with you, son, because they don't know you. But if you'll stay faithful to the calling, they will all have to confess and we may not like him, but it's clear God called that boy. It's clear there's something on him because his enemies don't prosper when they come against him. And he makes all of his enemies his footstool. And everything they said we couldn't have, we have it today. Because if God be for you, tell me who? New members? You can do all things. Let me help you because you're not here by an accident. So if the devil jumps on your right shoulder and tell you uh, God didn't call you here, the devil is a lie. You'll always know the truth. Just whatever the devil tell you to do, do the other. You'll be safe. That's why it should never be a struggle giving because the devil will always tell you don't give. <laughs> giving is a thermometer. Giving is a thermostat. It tells you your temperature toward the things of God. Giving tells you, not God because he already knows. Giving tells you if all you have truly belongs to God like you testify. And if he asks for it all, can you give it? Ooh, Jesus. That's what got Judas in trouble. He saw this woman with this expensive oil in an alabaster box. You see, people who are vacillating and struggling with satanic influence always fall out over money. That's all that church talk about money. What church? You can be talking about Harvest Church. But that's all you hear because that's your struggle. You don't want to let go of your idol. And God said, I have no other God before me. So that's your challenge. Judas got upset. As a matter of fact, we don't have time to get into it, but Judas got offended at Jesus to the new members. Watch it. Guard your heart. Don't allow the devil to cause you to get offended at your pastor. <laughs> because once you get offended, you will dishonor. And God says, you don't dishonor somebody that I sent. Oh, Jesus. Judas got upset, didn't he? He said, what is with this woman wasting all of this expensive oil? And if you read your Bible, the Bible declares that from that point on, the devil filled Judas's heart. Why? He got offended at Jesus. Because Jesus was sent from the Father. Be careful now. Because I've been sent to Kansas City. Some people were raised here. You just went across the street. Ain't difficult. 
be difficult to start a church in the city you've been raised in. You got cousins. You got people you went to school with. Read your Bible. Most people that God used always sent them. Ain't nobody want to say nothing. Don't be scared. Come on now. Bishop Eddie Long did a powerful work in Atlanta, Georgia. He's from North Carolina. Pastor Charles Stanley is doing a powerful work in Atlanta. He's from Florida. Bishop Jakes is doing a powerful work in Dallas. He's from West Virginia. Pastor Al is doing a powerful work in Kansas City. He's from Ohio. He always called you out and send you to a people. Why? Because a prophet have no honor. Glory to God. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.